Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the State of the Fandom. My name is Neil Fox. I am the president for life of the furry fandom, uh, democratically elected, of course. And uh, with me, as always, is... Hello, I am the vice president of the furry fandom and the ever-vigilant watchdog of the furry fandom. Now, before we get into our topic, which is the ADA... Yep. Uh, this is our big first ADA episode. There will be many ADA episodes. We will probably do a hundred ADA episodes, but uh, we're going to start with an episode about the ADA today, mm-hmm. which will be an introduction to the topic. Yes. So, if someone is going back, you know, ten years from now and listening to our podcast feed on YouTube, they will be able to go back and listen from the beginning of our podcast about the ADA. So, but before we do that. We should define what the ADA is. So ADA means Americans with Disabilities Act. So the Americans with Disabilities Act is a law that was passed, I believe, in 1992, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, it was a landmark piece of legislation for the United States. Now, there, there were other similar pieces of legislation in European countries which inspired the ADA. But many countries actually don't have their own disability access law. I was actually really surprised when I went to Germany and I got off the plane and there was just a flight of steps in the airport. The airport was not ADA. Like, that's pretty terrible. (laughs) But anyway, so in your own words, what is the ADA, my love? Uh, The ADA is a godsend for many. Absolutely. Especially me and Trey, or me and Link. We... Uh, we have many reasons to thank our lucky stars for the ADA. Yes. In my own personal experience, the ADA, God bless it, uh, with my specific disability, is dyslexia. I have pretty much supplanted that with technology at this point. Right. Thank you, Google Lens. The sponsor of this episode. So, uh, our sponsor for this episode, we're doing an integrated product special. So... Uh, what that means, because we have to do financial disclosure in these cases, is if someone pays to sponsor an entire episode, we have to talk about it at the beginning. That's FCC guidelines. Yep. Is Well, they, they don't specify when you have to talk about it, but they recommend on their website that you talk about it at the beginning. So uh, thank you very much to Google for sponsoring this episode. Uh, Google Lens, let me explain it really quick, and then you can tell your experience using it, okay? Yep. So Google Lens is a just absolutely incredible, free, completely free tool that people with disabilities should use much more than they do. I I am always shocked when I meet someone with a disability who doesn't know about Google Lens. So what Google Lens is, is a simple camera app made by Google that makes it easy to search Google for different things. So to search by image is one. Yep. But it also makes it possible to search with the text that is in the image. Yes. So now, Mr. Playstead, tell me why it is helpful to you to be able to look at any photo on the internet or any photo taken with your phone and immediately read the text that's there. <clears throat> because before Google Lens... I had rather crude uh, implements, such as Read Please, 
Yeah. I still use this to this day. Well, ReadPlease, just for the sake of the listeners, ReadPlease is a text-to-speech app you have on your computer, right? Yes, it's a text-to-speech right. app on the computer. It came out in 2003, mm-hmm. and Google Lens does everything ReadPlease does times 10. I'm pretty sure Google Lens also translates foreign languages. It does, it does. So this is actually one of the most incredible things that I have ever seen. So back in back in my day, yeah. back in my day, uh, there was no such thing as machine intelligence. So when I learned about computer science, my, my experience with computers is primarily based on my knowledge of Windows 95. To give you an idea of what I learned computer, like computer technology, on. So the idea that a computer could look at an image and read the text and then translate it into Swahili is mind-blowing to me. Because that was not possible when I was learning how to use computers. That technology did not exist. And we will continue in just a moment after he drops us off. Well, and, you know, I could talk (laughs) forever about the ADA. I love the ADA. I love the Postal Service. And I love how much good that they have done. But one of the things that the government has done that has been very detrimental to very many people is the prison system. Now, you were just telling me some ideas on what you think should be done to reform it. What, What do you recommend? I would start with interviewing people that have been through the prison system. Right. I would also... Why don't we interview Crowley? He'd be a perfect one. One second. I want to interview, and I'm putting out a formal challenge to the after-prison show and the host who runs it. The after-prison show? Okay, I don't know anything about it. Tell me about it. The after-prison show is a YouTube program that I used to watch many, many years ago because he had recipes about ramen noodle soup, he had different life hacks of how to make mm. MacGyver style sh- MacGyver style nonsense out of like chicken wire just how to make an electric heater out of two steel plates uh, electrical cord mm. and you know bubble gum basically See, so and just to just to um just to talk about your subject for just a minute, yep. because I, I think that that's a very interesting idea, and I would love to have this guy come on the show. You said it's after prison show? Yes, it is. Now, why, one other thing that I do enjoy about his style of YouTube content uh-huh. yep. is he's evolved it over the last 10 years, and now I, he's flipping sure. houses. Yeah. He's doing really well for himself. Great he's for him. Worked He's done a lot. He's done charity work. He's done this. He's helped people who have come out of prison. He was in prison for like ten years, so mm-hmm. he had a lot of stories. He's now doing really well for himself, and ultimately, I personally would like to challenge him to come on our radio, on our program, and we can discuss how things could be improved between combined arms. Between his power, his base of influence, and our base of influence, I feel like, myself, we could do a lot of good for a lot of people. I I would definitely agree with you on that. And what I would want to talk to him about, if he ever 
I hopefully he will, but if he if he listens to this specific episode of our podcast, which I will send him the link, but anyway, if he listens to this episode, what I would say is I would love for him to talk with you about his experiences in prison and me as a statistician, I would love to talk with him about how just everyday people, not people in prison, but just everyday people can uh, use common tools around their house to solve expensive problems. So yes. like you were mentioning something about a heater, like what what is some of the other stuff that he's made in his videos? You mentioned ramen soup, you mentioned- Ramen soup, how to make tattoo guns. Well, we won't be teaching people that necessarily, but- How to pick locks. Oh, how to pick locks, that's perfect. <laughs> so like a lock picking set is usually around what, 80 bucks, something like that? Yeah, on the really cheap end, 25, 30. Yeah. On the more expensive end, you can, they actually make some really, really nice lock picks mm-hmm. that have gauges in them and the tension wrench is built in. And the way that you do it is you slide it back and forth mm. and then it has a bar graph of, mm. okay, am I hitting the pin? Am I tensioning it right? And then... Well, and you can tell that he knows a lot more about this than you and I do. So we will have to do a whole episode about lock picking because that sounds fascinating and I know nothing about it. I got a YouTuber for that too. Uh, shout out to the lock picking lawyer. You taught me many things and his favorite phrase and my favorite phrase is keep it legal and just keep it safe, keep it legal. You know, I would love to make that one of our many manifestos for the podcast. Keep it safe, keep it legal. Because that is what I care about. I do not care about money. Money can go fuck itself. People with money can go fuck themselves. I, I, I wish that money had never been invented. I wish we were still using literal gold coins because then it would have a direct value tied to human thought. So yes. human gold itself inherently does not have a value because gold is just a metal now, gold can be used to make lots of different things, can be used to make lots of different um, things in electrical components and stuff like that. But the reason why gold is valuable is actually not because of its use in technology, it's because of its use in making beautiful things. And that mm-hmm. has a value. It does. It would be incorrect to say that gold, like fiat currency, doesn't have a value. Gold has a value in that it can be used to make beautiful things. And if we value, the ability to make beautiful things, then gold has a value, since it is rare. Indeed. Now, uh, the topic of our podcast is the prison system. Yep. And here is one way that I think we can completely revolutionize it overnight. And the good fellows at NPR were talking about this earlier today as well. Several states were introducing pieces of legislation to pay their prison population $14 an hour. I mean, I would like them to be paid $100 an hour, just like everyone else should be paid $100 an hour, but 15 in, or fifteen is a great start. F- 15 is a great start because do you know what the current wage of prisoners in the prison population is? Uh, I do not. Tell me. 14 cents an hour. Maybe a dollar an hour. Yes. That is criminal. That is slavery at its, in, that is slavery at its most basic 
core. It needs to be abolished. It needs to stop. And that's not even getting into what happens in, you know, the solitary confinement cells, problem prisoners, or, you know, just inmates and uh, just guards just torturing people because they can and no one's holding them accountable. Now, take Jeffrey Epstein, Mm. for for example. A lot of people think that he was murdered for the knowledge he knows. I think he was murdered because... One of the guards said, hey, look at this fucker. Look at this fucker. Mm. You know what? I'm going to have some fun with it. Yeah. And we're going to kill the cameras and we're going to have some fun. I, I think I think a prison guard just decided one day to have some fun and kill them. I don't think it was a huge mm. conspiracy. I think just some, just some sadistic guard mm. felt... Felt he can have power over this all-powerful person, this this billionaire, this man who had he has so much money. Oh, he's important. But he's sitting naked in a solitary confinement cell while other people look and laugh at him. What yeah. a pitiful way to go. Right. Well, and see, this is this is the problem, with, or not the problem, is one of the many problems that money causes in the world, is that money causes people to believe that they are untouchable. Mm-hmm. So Jeffrey Epstein must have. I mean, I, I don't. I never spoke to the man. I haven't read a biography, whatever. But he must have thought that he would be able to get away with it. And he did for many years. And he did for many years, exactly. So the thing is, is that if having a billion dollars can cause someone, because I, I would guarantee you that if he didn't have access to a private island or a private yacht or mm-hmm. whatever, all the different places that he committed the crimes, yeah, if he was just a guy living in an apartment in New York City, because he had some type of big house in New York City, but you know, if, he, if he was just a guy in an average New York City apartment, he would not have had the access and the ability to commit those crimes. Yes. Now, to play devil's advocate, you can do a lot of good with a billion dollars. If if I was handed a billion dollars today, mm-hmm. I would make sure that my 401k was maxed out. Yeah, which is about 18000 I I would make sure that I had enough money in the bank to comfortably live on. Of course. Yeah. And then the rest of it, I would turn around and I would sit down with a group of experts in different... Like myself. In different fields mm-hmm. and figure out what can we do that would help the greatest amount of people while simultaneously screwing over those greedy fuckers who think simply owning, you know, mega yachts and this and that. Okay, there's nothing wrong with owning a mega yacht. Yeah, there's nothing on, there's nothing wrong with owning a mega mansion. But if you're buying up property to simply screw over to simply screw over low-income housing because you don't think they're good enough, fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! And you know what? If we had the goddamn guillotine, I'd say send them! Fuck them! I completely agree with you, and here's why. I think, in my opinion, that Jesus Christ himself had the right idea. And I don't say this about many religious ideas, 
But I think that Jesus had the right idea in that money is the root of all evil. Now yes. money, now it would be incorrect to say, and that's why Jesus didn't say it, it would be incorrect to say that money is evil. And many people accidentally conflate the two. No, money isn't evil. No, money is a resource to do good with. Yes. And if, and I would like to, I would like to personally, this is, this is me, Neil Fox, the president of the furry fandom. This, this is me calling out anyone, any person who is using their wealth only to benefit themselves. Only to abuse. Well, not even to abuse. We'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll step back from the Jeffrey Epsteins of the world for just a moment. Because despite the fact that that is a well, very... Not just, not just Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. In my hometown of Maine. Mm. It, there's a very clear divide between the wealthy exactly. and those living in low-income housing. Absolutely. Now, the wealthy, some fucker from California, some fucking investment firm from California... Like BlackRock Capital. Buying up low-income housing, jacking the fucking price up. Yep. Just... Just, just to afford to, another mega mansion. No, just to get rid of the people that are living there. People like that should be... People like that should be held to the highest, the absolute highest accountability of the law. And if it falls under treason, which is a capital offense, let it be. Yeah. I, I, I am personally, now I know that you do not share this belief, but I am personally against the death penalty. But I would be overjoyed. I would be overjoyed to use whatever money or power that I have in the future to eminent domain half of Amazon and then investigate Jeff Bezos into pennilessness. Now, now, I do not want him to be destitute because he should not be punished for being a human being. That is, that, that, Jeff Bezos, despite him being a fucking retarded asshole, Despite the fact that he is hoarding more wealth from his abused employees than anyone should ever do. I, mm-hmm. I think that that is morally wrong. Yes. But, in my opinion, even someone who does things that are morally wrong, like a prisoner, even that type of person still deserves the same dignity yes. and rights as anyone else. So. I would love to have evidence. I do not have this evidence as of now, but I would love to have evidence to have Jeff Bezos put in prison for the rest of his life because he committed acts that under the current system are legal as far as I know, but they should be criminal because they cause suffering to other people. You know, not giving people breaks, finding it acceptable for people to piss in bottles. Yeah, and by the way, if the Postal Service can deliver anywhere in the country in three days, Bezos, why aren't you using the Postal Service to deliver in three days instead of paying delivery drivers underpaid wages and not giving them pensions to do something for the only reason that you get a day earlier? That you get it a day earlier and you pay 
you, Jeff Bezos, pay maybe a dollar or two less to get that package there in two days instead of three. Shame on you. There is a system in place that you could be doing, Jeff Bezos, three-day shipping Mm -hmm. to any address in the country, not just addresses in major cities where you can get the two-day shipping. Do do you know why you can't get two-day shipping in rural areas? Because there isn't a dish... uh, Because A, the logistics probably don't exist. B, there isn't a um, distribution center. And C... Probably because they just don't want to. Your first two reasons are correct. Yeah. But your third reason, they just don't want to, is the most correct. Oh, okay. Because we know that three to four day shipping to any address in the country is possible. Because the, shi- the Postal Service did it like 70 years ago. And hell, FedEx manages to do overnight damn near anywhere most of the time. Right. Now, it would not be... Reasonable to expect to expect overnight for everything because of the logistics involved. Yeah, and so for something like a heart transplant, it doesn't matter how much it costs to get it overnight. They will charter a private jet to fly the heart from Seattle to Washington D.C. if they have to. Like it would be cheaper, cheaper to charter a private jet (laughs) than to get another heart. It would be, but if it's somebody's phone case that they ordered on Amazon, those logistics don't work. Exactly. <laughs> now, one little side note about, um, it was during 9-11, and they mm. had ground all the aircraft, except yeah. one. Okay. It went by the moniker of Venom 1 because mm. it had a life-saving anti-venom mm. From it was like from Chicago to like California or something. I forget mm. the exacting details. Yeah. But it was the only aircraft allowed in the sky. Wow. <laughs> during nine during nine eleven after they ground all the aircraft because yeah. well and you know you bring because up because a bunch of strings were pulled or whatever. Sure. Well and see this is a, I'm glad you brought up that example and here's why. So that example shows that in the case of life-saving emergencies, people are willing to pull strings to get things done. Yes. Now, would you, just your, your personal opinion, wouldn't you consider the need to give people free health care the very definition of a life-saving emergency? Yes, and there's this... There's systems and there's methodologies that have been proven in other countries Absolutely. that we could start implementing. I don't, myself personally, I don't think we can go full bore. Oh, we're going to do free healthcare overnight. That it needs to be. It's infrastructure that needs to be built up from the bottom. Absolutely. Such yeah. as hospitals can buy equipment in bulk. Say, mm-hmm. buy a hundred. For example, take Boston for example. Sure. Boston Medical. Well, Boston Medical Network, one of the most famous, one of the more famous ones there are. Uh-huh. There. Sure. What they could do is make sure that they buy a year's supplies worth of G- knee, knee joint replacements. Sure. They can buy, and they can buy them all at once. Buy them all at once in yep. bulk. Yep. That's exactly how they do it in the UK, by the way. Buy them all at once in bulk, uh-huh. and then they have the stuff on hand. Right. And 
they get a bulk discount. Right. Because, you know, if you buy a knee replacement on, a, a, a knee for a knee replacement, if you buy one of those on January 1st, and you don't need it until December 1st, who cares? Exactly. It's, it's a tiny piece of equipment. You, you could have a thousand artificial knees. You, wouldn't even, you would never need that many in a year, but you could have a thousand artificial knees in a hospital sitting in a warehouse yep. perfectly fine for five years, and they would be still just as good as they were when you bought them the first time. And they'd probably be cheaper because you're not... Yeah. Because you're buying them... At that current price, you're not buying them with the factor of inflation. Correct. Now, I think this is, and this is just my personal opinion. This is not, you know, something that I have, you know, a plan of how to do it necessarily, but this is my opinion. I think that the U.S. government should take a one time, one time, issue of a special kind of debt so have you do you know about how the government issues debt um yeah i know most people have never even heard of it like how the government issues debt uh they issue debt through the treasury the treasury and Mm -hmm. they also aren't bonds involved if you sell a bunch of bonds that uh bond let me stop you right there for one moment so bonds can be involved, but yeah. we're, we're talking about um, the ways that the government can issue debt. So when you're talking about bonds, it's called treasury bonds. Yeah. So just to define it for the sake of viewers who may not have studied finance like I have, yeah. a bond is simply a promise to pay someone back. Yes. It's, it's very simple. It is not complicated. A bond is just a promise to pay someone back. So, if there was a special kind of treasury bond called, like, the healthcare, uh, the, the, um, save our children healthcare bond or something like that, you know, make it a really catchy name that no one could ever possibly disagree with, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the no more, um, the anti-abortion health bond or something. I don't know. You can call it anything. You call it something so that the Republicans will vote for it. Because if you call it the anti-abortion health bond, how could any Republican vote against that and even appear in front of their base? Yeah. So anyway, the point is, the Treasury can issue debt for any reason. Yes. And so what they could do is the same thing that they did during World War II, where they issued war bonds... But we could issue a special kind of debt for creating nationalized health care. Yeah. Now, as an example, here, now that I'm thinking about it, here's how I would do it if, you know, somehow magically I became the president of the United States. Here's how I would do it. I would direct the Treasury to create a special kind of bond, a one-time issue, so we would say something like, you know, we need $1 trillion to fix healthcare in America forever. Yes. Now that is a lot of money and even a even a place or a, even an organization as big as the US government is going to have trouble coming up with a trillion dollars. Yeah. They they could, but it is difficult even with 100% support from Congress and you are never going to get 100% support for nationalized healthcare. It no. just you just never will. So I say 
we go to financial analysts. Yeah. And we get a best guess approximation for how much it would cost to eminent domain every hospital in America. And so the same way that something like public universities are completely funded by the government. Yeah. The same way that like a community college, for example. Uh, there are many states where a community college is free and the, the, the state just pays for the entire amount. So in the same way that the federal and the state governments own colleges, they could own every hospital. Yes. They just choose not to. So they're making the choice to line the pockets of big pharma mm-hmm. and profiteering people who are making a profit from the government paying excessive amounts for people's health care. Now, does that feel just to you? It isn't. There have been many stories of predatory nursing homes. Do you know anything about that? Oh, fucking hell. Where to start? Oh, should we talk about the thousands of dead nursing home patients during COVID? Yeah, you know, maybe instead of spending, you know, $2 trillion to billionaires, maybe, maybe the government should have spent that to nationalize healthcare once and for all. Yes. They could have done that and they chose not to. Yes. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, the governor of New York. What was it? DeSantis? Or... No, that's Florida. No. That was the governor of New York. Uh, I, I've heard his name, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. It doesn't matter. Fuck him, particularly, with the largest, gnarliest, hardest piece of wood you can for putting COVID-positive patients, nursing home patients, back into healthy populations. And, and by the way, you were talking about hospital ships earlier? Yep. I find it, personally... They had two of them off the coast of Incredibly Cal- offensive. It is, it is offensive to me yeah. as a human being that they could have, again, could have put those patients on the hospital ships uh-huh. instead of sending them back to nursing homes where they knew that there was a possibility of infection. Oh, to make it even better, the mayor, the governor of California wound up getting a book deal. $10 million advance on a book deal explaining how good he was at managing COVID. Yeah, that's not Fuckhead. okay. I, I think that people using political office to profiteer the way that Donald Trump and the way that that person with the book deal, and the way Bill Clinton with the book deal, the way Hillary Clinton with the book deal, this is not a Republican or Democrat problem. This is a greedy asshole problem. Yes! Of people going, I, I would like to point out that on oh. average, on average, senators enter Congress Dirt with <laughs> maybe 100,000 to their name. They don't usually come from poor families, but they do usually come from non-wealthy families. And by the time they fucking leave, they have generational wealth. It's almost like going to freaking college 
It's like you go. It's like if you went to college, but you got paid a million dollars a year. Maybe that should be for the people and not for Congress. Yes. It's almost like you went to college and you wound up getting your fucking doctorate and screwing everyone over. Well, what do you think political science is? (laughs) 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 Getting a doctorate for screwing people over. There you go. Yes. (laughs) Now, what do you do with the money when you're done? Well, a lot of them are just drug addicts and... A lot of them get questionable hookers. Thank you, Hunter Biden, for selling out the United States to fucking China. Thank you, Hunter Biden. I hope you burn in hell, and I hope your daddy's... I hope your daddy is brought in front of the fucking courts. Well, he could just pardon himself, so... I don't care. (laughs) So... I want to see it happen anyway. I know, I know you do. So... It, I, here's another thing that I will say here and now. Yep. If, if I ever have the power to do it, yep. I will ensure that the United States rejoins the International Criminal Court so that there is a higher law than the Constitution. Yes. There should be a higher law than the Constitution. It is criminal because the way that we left the International Criminal Court so that we could continue to keep Guantanamo Bay. Fuck you. Yes. Now, one thing that people have now probably realized because people have functioning brains, I hope, please wake up, sheeple. Please, for the love of God, wake up. I can hear the buying from the distance. Oh, money is valuable. Oh. Wake up, sheeple. Oh, I have a job that pays $100,000 a year. Wake up. A what? You only make $100,000 a year? How much money do you donate to charity? I donated over $15,000 in a weekend. Yeah, you did. And we will tell the story of how we did that in a podcast all by itself because it is important for people to know how to do that themselves. I did that in my spare goddamn time. It took me all of four hours, and that's what? 5000 an hour that you don't have to pay in taxes? Yeah, so why not spend a couple hours... Getting rid of stuff you don't need. Getting Spend a couple hours getting rid of stuff you don't need. For a massive tax deduction... For a massive tax deduction, on top of it helps helping you, people, it helps you out. It helps clean out your fucking house, and it's incentivized. How do you think the billionaires of the world? How do you think the billionaires of the United States do it? Why do you think? Uh, okay, guys. Why do you think Google doesn't pay taxes? It's not because they're evil corporate entity. Because they donate so much of their fucking money, they don't have to pay taxes. So let me let me just pretend for a moment that I'm a viewer who has not had the many, many, many conversations about this topic that we have had. Yes. So something that I would say yeah. as a counterpoint, if I was that viewer, yeah. is I would say, well, shouldn't they have to pay high taxes? If they have to pay high taxes, but if they're donating enough stuff... They're still paying 40% on instead of $100 billion because they spent, because they donated, you know, 
50 billion dollars so they're paying 40 percent high taxes on you know, 50 billion 50, instead of 100 billion but that other 50 billion is, is stuff offset, they donated is offset. so that's doing good with that money yes so I would like to point out to the people of the United States that people in power, so the senators, the representatives, the billionaires, the millionaires, the Warren Buffetts, the Elon Musks of the world, legally, under federal law, legally pay usually 15% or less Mm -hmm. in tax. Yeah. And I, I stress legally. Yes. Now, I would like to point out that if the most powerful people in America think it's okay to only pay 15% in tax, then that does that means especially senators and representatives, if they believe that's an amount in tax that's normal to pay, that is lawful to pay, then make it then make it 15% for the rest of us. Yes, but I know, just from knowing psychology, that they will never do that unless we force them to. Oh, so I, why I, don't we set up a system where people can donate their stuff for a tax deduction and, then and drive Bezos, pawn shops, and predatory lenders out of business overnight? Yes. Now, think about it. If you can drive down your own taxes by donating enough stuff, why would you not? Okay, because you, you pay thirty percent, but what's thirty percent of? Okay, so you've offset your taxes. You make fifty thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. and you've offset your taxes to the point of ten thousand. What's thirty percent of ten thousand? Like three grand? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the government only gets three grand of your money instead of what? What would you typically have to pay if you were... if you were making a hundred thousand in wages? Yeah. Well, thirty percent of a hundred thousand would be thirty thousand because thirty percent of a hundred is thirty. Yes. Now, instead of paying thirty thousand, you've offset it mm-hmm. by donating enough products, stuff, whatever. So. Here's the thing about taxation that not very many people understand. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure you already get this, but I know from talking to people that very few, <laughs> painfully few people think about taxation the way that you and I do. Mm-hmm. So let me explain to the viewers my position, and yep. you can let me know if you disagree or if you agree. Yep. In my opinion, the percentage of tax that someone pays is not the issue. Yeah. The issue is, are you, as an individual who is a human being, are you contributing a reasonable percentage of your wealth to the betterment of the community? Now, I've chosen those words carefully, and let me explain. Mm -hmm. So, a reasonable percentage. That's the first thing. So, like, I, as a person who does not have kids, it would make sense to charge me more taxes because I'm not taking care of children. So it would make sense to lower the tax rate for families and raise the tax rate for corporations because by definition, corporations cannot be child caring. Like, 
the, a corporation cannot have a child. Well, no, you'd wind up with a senator like Boss Baby by the end of it or something. That's terrifying. Um, <laughs> yikes. Uh, yes, the Boss Baby would be the baby of a corporation. That's true. Uh, but my point with that is, is that if we are talking about the way to do the most good for the most people. Yep. If that is the stated goal, which it is, that that is what I want to do. I would love to die happy and healthy. Well, healthy probably not just because I'd be old, but I would love to pass away peacefully at the age of 80. Yeah. With my lovely partner, right. Trey Place said. Right. And I would love to know that I had spent my 80 years helping to lower the amount of suffering in the world for both humans and animals. Yes, me that, too. To me, that is a worthy goal of my very, very, very limited time that I will be alive. You know, there, the, this is something that, if I may just go on a small tangent for a moment. Go on, you have the floor. Oh, thank you. I, I, this is why I think that it is possible we are living in a simulation. I don't know if we're living in a simulation, but this is why I think it's possible. And we'll, we'll do full episodes about the simulation theory, of course, but I think it is possible for this reason, because there is no other reason that even is remotely possible for us to know. So yep. it unfortunately cannot be definitively proved one way or the other, but, there is one piece of evidence that I, as a statistician, I cannot shake this from my gut feeling. So, people talk about the age of the universe, and 14 billion years might seem like a long time to a human being. That seems like a lot of time, right? 14 billion years? Like, that, that's, that is nothing. That's so unfathomably long under a human time scale. Like, it's millions of times longer than humans have even existed. Yes. But, the universe will continue to exist for not billions of years, not trillions of years. Is it octillions? Octillions or, or more. Or is it septillions? So, the, the rough estimate, and... Uh, this is a number that is so big, it is almost impossible to put it into words. It is almost impossible to describe this number of years, but I will do my best to try. Okay. So, there is a concept in statistics and math called exponents. Do you know what exponents are? Vaguely, yes. Uh, I'll just explain it just in case somebody hasn't been to high school math in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, I haven't taken high school math in 15 years, so you know, it's been a while for me too. Like 16, uh, 14, 15 for me. So, right. And somebody, somebody who's listening who's 70, they haven't studied this since they were 20 or, or younger, probably. Yeah. So, that, that's a long time to have not studied statistics. So, I'll just go over the concept of exponents very quickly. Yes. An exponent just means multiplying a number by itself. Yeah. So, 10 is a number that's very easy to visualize. Okay, 10 fingers, got it. 10 to like the power of 52. No, hold on, we're not there yet. I, okay. I, that's, that's, that's like statistics five. We're on statistics 101. <laughs> right. I'm still explaining what an exponent is. Like give me a second <laughs> to get to 10 to the 52. 
Uh, so, 10 to the 2 is 10 times 10. Yes. So how much is 10 times 10? 10 times 10 is 20. <laughs> no, wait. Well, 10 times 10 is 100. <laughs> yeah, See yeah, this? Yeah, See, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is okay to make a math mistake, my love. And this is why I'm explaining the concept of exponents before I continue, because I want to make sure that you, yes, who is a very intelligent person, can yeah. understand. And the thing is, is that there are many people who are less well-versed in math than you who might be listening to the podcast. So yes. if you have trouble understanding it, then I guarantee you that someone who maybe hasn't taken math classes in 50 years yep. would not understand the concept of 10 to the 52. Yeah. So let's try again, okay? A quick, a before we move forward, a quick plug from our sponsors, American Wood Art. Oh, which yes. is a corporation I own, I run. Mm-hmm. Yep. I also. Let me let me just explain what American Wood Art does for any viewers who are new and haven't heard of it yet. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what my beautiful, wonderful partner does is he actually takes wood from wherever we travel. Yep. So just if we travel to a convention in Maine, we take wood from Maine. If we travel to a convention in California, we get some beautiful, you know, saguaro or whatever from, from California, whatever. The, the point is, is that you Red use... Redwood. Sorry, a redwood, of course, yes. I'll pick twigs up off the ground if I have to. <laughs> we could go to the National Park and yes. pick up as much wood for pens as you could ever need. Because you're not going to need that many for, for pens. No. You could literally go to the National Park and pick it up for free. And just pick up twigs. Literally, yeah. And just combine them with acrylics. Oh, that'd be beautiful. Not that I'll be able to, you know, chop down a redwood tree. That well, would be, I, they, they have pine cones as well. They, they, if you go to a redwood forest, oh, they have huge be... pine cones. The pine cones are like this big. And I'm, it's like bigger than your head. It's crazy. It'd be awesome. Yeah. And they, if, you went to the, if you went to the National Park and picked up 100 pine cones and took them home, they would say, thank you for helping clean up the park. They would not be mad at you for taking pine cones. <laughs> I, would, I would still want to ask them permission. Oh, sure. And you could and, easily get that permission at the front desk. And I think that's all the time we have for this segment. Ah. Do we want to do our outro? Yes, you're right. So we kind of a varied concept podcast today, but yeah. Mr. Uh, Mr. Trey, my, my wonderful partner, has ADHD. And so if I can get him to pay attention to exponents, I can get anyone yes. to pay attention to exponents. So let me just finish the exponents discussion. Okay. It'll take just a couple minutes. Okay. And then we will continue because, and this is, this is why I want to make sure that we do this. So in just about every episode, it doesn't have to be every episode, I want to explain some type of complex topic. Yes. So that, people that, again, people could listen to this podcast in 10 years, in 50 years. It could be 2072 and people could be listening to this podcast and people would still be using statistics in 2072. So anyway, I I want to provide as much education for people who listen to it, whether now in the future, as I can. So that is why I want to return to a concept that most people would say, oh God, Exponents. Ugh. Now, the thing the thing about education is that if you are forced to do something, you will always hate it. Right? Yes. So if you are coerced into 
going to class and sitting down and learning, of course you're going to hate it. But if you are listening to a podcast of two furries talking about their weird, crazy ideas to destroy the financial system, (laughs) that's a pretty interesting medium to learn about statistics because, you know, not very many people care about the number 10 to the 10, for example. But, so do you know what 10 to the 10 would be? 10 to the 2 is 100. 10 to the 10 would be 10,000? No, not even close. So let me, let me write it down for you real quick. I just need a piece of paper. Oh, here we go. And, and if you could grab just a marker from over there. It's going to be instructive to actually write it down for you. So, uh, on the table, my love, if you could just grab one of the markers real quick. Um, So 10 to the 10 is the number 10 with 10 zeros after it. Okay? So let me write it out for you so you understand. Oh, wow. I was a a few digits (laughs) off. Only by a factor of millions. It's fine. Uh, no, no, no. Again, this is why I wanted to return to this topic. Yes. Because most people are not expert statisticians. No. So an expert statistician could listen to this podcast and would say, oh, it's a really clear explanation of exponents. It is. But a person who doesn't understand exponents, which is going to be 99% of the viewers, might listen to it and go, oh, I learned about that in high school and I didn't get it because I hated it. But now I get it because it was explained in a simple way. So, an exponent is just add zeros. You can, you can, you can, you can combine the two concepts in your mind. Yeah. So, 10 is the number 10. Yeah. 10 to the 2 means two zeros. That would be 100. Okay. So that's what 10 to the 2 looks like, yep. is 10, or uh, sorry, 1 with two zeros. Mm-hmm. I misspoke earlier when I said 10 with two zeros. That, that would be 1,000. I, I just misspoke. So 1 plus two zeros, okay? So that makes it a lot easier for people to understand because that just means add, the, it means add another zero. That's the easiest way to, that's the simplest way you could put it. Yes. The number that goes above the other number, so it's so it's a number, and then there's another number above it. Yep. The number above is just the number of zeros. Okay. Just it's shorthand for just add ten zeros. Correct. And so that makes it easy for someone like you, who probably I, I would assume does not work with numbers in the billions on a daily basis. I would assume that you wouldn't have a billion dishes to do in a day. I would certainly hope not. If there are 10 billion dishes in the hospital, that would be a bad day for the hospital. (laughs) So, a one, I'm almost done, my love. Give me another 60 seconds of your time, and we will be done. Okay. Got it. If you need to wiggle, if you need to tap dance or whatever. He has ADHD, so I have to help him with these sometimes. I know that statistics is a boring subject for everyone other than me. I love statistics. I would I would talk about statistics for the next thousand years if I could. I love statistics. 
But if you do not understand the concept of exponents, it will be very difficult for me to talk about numbers in the billions with you, okay? Yes. So this is why it's important for me to tell you, okay. all right? So 10 to the two means two zeros. Yep. 10 to the 10 means 10 zeros, okay? So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Now that is a big number and kind of difficult to read. So the easiest way to do that for the people listening at home who can't see what you're doing is to add a check mark, or add a comma, I should say, yep. add a comma after every three zeros. So three zeros, comma, okay? Comma. Yep. Comma, okay? So 10 to the two is 100. Yep. 10 to the 10, so you just take a one, you add 10 zeros. Yep. And then you count the other way to see what the number is. So, thousand, million, billion. Yeah. Okay? So, 10 billion is 10 to the 10. Yes. Got it? Yep. So, now, now that we have covered that uh, explanation, I can now much more easily explain the concept of 10 to the 52. Even though... That number is so incomprehensibly huge <laughs> that many people, including expert statisticians like myself, have trouble understanding the concept of numbers like 10 to the 52. So what we're going to do really quick before we end the podcast is just a simple calculation using a calculator because when you're talking about numbers that big, it's really difficult to do them in your head even for someone like me who works with statistics every day. Yeah. So we're going to do it on the calculator so it's easier. All right. So 10. And we won't even use 10 to the 52 because, again, it's so, it's so big that it's difficult to even comprehend a number that large. So many people think, and, and this is not confirmed because obviously how could we possibly know, but many people think that intelligent life has the capability to exist for at least 10 to the 20 years. Okay? 10 to the 20 means a 1 with 20 zeros after it. So, let me do the, let me do it on paper for you so it's easier for you to see my love. Hold on. This I, I see you scratching your head. This is a brain-breaking concept even for me. No, and I, just, I am a statistician. I, I, it, it's not brain breaking in that regard. It's I need a piece of paper which and a is what I'm going to, <laughs> which is what I'm doing for you, my love. Yes, patience is okay. a virtue. It is. Okay, so so I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do the calculation on the calculator so that it's easier. All right. Okay. So ten to the twenty is one. 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Oh, can't enter more than 15 digits. Okay, whatever. That, the, the, the phone calculator only goes out to <laughs> thousand, million, billion, trillion. Okay, 100 trillion. That's a lot. 15, so this would be 10 to the 15. Okay, so this is 10 to the 15. Yep. Now, I'm going to divide by the number of years that the universe has existed so far, okay. okay? So this is the number, and again, it's so incomprehensibly huge 
that it's hard to comprehend. But this is the number of years that many people in astro and astrology, I almost said astro astrology, astronomy, sorry. This is the problem with taping a podcast live. Sometimes you make stupid mistakes. All right. Astronomy, not astrology. Many of the people in astronomy think that the universe will exist for this long or more. Okay? Yes. So let me show you why, as a statistician, I think this proves simulation theory. Okay? Okay. I think that this is the only piece of information that we could find, even in principle, to prove simulation theory is true. All right? Okay. Ready? So we're just going to remove zeros. Or sorry, no, we're going to divide by 14 billion, since that's the number of years that people think that the universe has been around. So thousand, million, billion, okay? So we're dividing 10 to the 15 yep. by approximately 10 to the 10. Okay, you ready? Yep. All right. So this is, uh, and I'm going to add another, um, let me, hold on one second. So 7142, it's giving me a bunch of digits, but 7142 is the number that I need. So now remember that I said that a more accurate estimate would be 10 to the 20 and not 10 to the 15, but I literally ran out of zeros on the calculator. Yes. Which is very funny. But, so that means that I need to add five more zeros because 10 to the 15 would be five zeros less than 10 to the 20. So I'm gonna add five zeros to this number and show you what that means. One, two, three, four, five. Okay? Yep. So this number, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell it to the viewers, but visually, this number is the, is the chance that we are living in base reality versus a simulation. And let me tell you why, okay? Because this is a very weird concept, even for someone experienced with statistics. Yes. But, uh, and I can go into more detail uh, if viewers need, but I know that it is getting late and you want to play your game. So we will do that in just a moment. Yes. But let me finish the argument, all right? Yep. So for the viewers at home, the number that I have on my calculator is 714 million, which is approximately the chance of winning the lottery. That the, the, the lottery varies very widely in the chance of winning, but that is approximately the amount of chance that any individual person has of winning the Powerball. Yes. Okay? Yep. And what I'm saying as a statistician is there are if we take 10 to the 20 and we divide by the number of years that the universe has existed so far, that means that there are 700 million periods of time in the future with an equivalent length to the amount of time that has passed so far. Yes. Now, the way that people like to put this into perspective for people, because it is so difficult to understand this concept, so let me boil it down for you into one sentence, all right? Okay. This calculation means that the best experts at NASA, the, you know, the best experts in astronomy that there are, yep. believe that the universe will exist 
for more years than grains of sand on earth. And so the chance that you are living in the grain of sand that is real versus a simulation is the same is the same chance that you have of going to the beach and picking up the correct grain of sand that is your reality. Now, does that seem likely to you that you could go and find an individual grain of sand anywhere on earth? So somebody somebody says, I think that this specific grain of sand is real. Hmm. Now now why is that grain of sand more value more value than any other grain of sand? If simulation theory is real, it doesn't matter. Because oh. And to, uh, to finish out the podcast, as I was saying, to talk about the chance that we are living in the true reality versus a simulation. I am telling you as a statistician, now it, it, even though I went through it step by step, it's still difficult to understand if you're not a mathematics person. So don't, don't bother about trying to figure out the numbers because the numbers are hard. Think about it in terms of grains of sand, okay? You've been to a beach. Oh yes. You've seen how much sand there is, right? Yep. Now I want you to try to imagine that you picked up a grain of sand and you took a Sharpie and you colored the grain of sand like purple or something so it'd be easy to see against other white sand, okay? Mm -hmm. And then you took that grain of sand and you just dropped it. You left for a hundred years. Good luck. And you came back to that same spot. Now, that grain of sand could be on the other side of the globe from wind or rain or whatever. Uh-huh. That, that grain of sand could be right where you left it, or it could be literally on the other side of the planet in a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So I am telling you that according to the math, the chance that we would be living at the beginning of the universe and not the end is the chance of finding that one grain of sand. It's, and again, to put it in numbers that people are more familiar with, the chance that we would be living 14 billion years after the Big Bang and not 10 to the 50 years after the Big Bang is like the difference between one person winning the lottery and one person not winning the lottery. So the chance that we would be living in the base reality is similar to the chance of one person in America winning the Powerball lottery. Hmm. The, the chance that we would be at the beginning instead of the end is the chance of you personally buying one lottery ticket and winning the Powerball. Yeah. So that is the way that I like to, uh, that is the way that I like to explain difficult statistics to people is in terms of like the lottery or grains of sand and stuff like that. Yes. 
And so, to finish... Yep. This does not prove that we are living in a simulation. It does not prove that. But, it is the only piece of evidence, even in theory, that could prove it. Now, here's the, here is the question that I want to finish on. And I yep. want your honest answer to this question. Does it matter to you personally, because I have an answer for myself, but does it matter to you personally whether or not you are living in the Matrix or not? If I'm living in the Matrix, then you can manipulate the world however you want if you figure out how the world functions. Now, what if you had the key to unlocking the cheat code in the matrix. So it's unlocking the god mode of like, you can do anything, you can spawn anything, you can whatever. If you had that key, would that not be the most powerful, the most expensive piece of information that has ever existed? We'd be able to do whatever we want. Now, I know, and I, I, I will not give everything away at the present time, because I want to I keep the listeners on their toes a little bit. Yes. But I am making the claim to the listener who has sat through, you know, an hour of podcasting to the end of the episode. I want to reward you, listener, by telling you this fact. I have in my possession right now the god mode cheat not to the matrix but to everything and if I have that in my possession then I might as well be living in a simulation and can spawn anything into existence mm -hmm. if, if I have the power to purchase human labor, if I have the power to purchase it, then that is as good as having the God Mode cheat. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, think about that prison guy you were talking about. If, if, if you can be in prison and you can twiddle together three combs and seven toothbrushes <laughs> and whatever to make something that's useful, then why are we as a community of human beings on this planet, why are we suffering at jobs that we hate? Why are people doing that? You, you could, and I'm not saying you should, because this would be an extreme claim to make, mm -hmm. but I think that everyone who hates their, hates their job should quit. Yeah. I think that you and I should help people to create a job quitting day holiday or something like that. Call it, call it like fuck your life day or something like that. I don't know. And it's a day, it's a federal holiday yeah. where if you choose to quit your job on that day, yeah. they legally cannot take retribution against you. Interesting concept. And, and here is why I think that would help a lot of people. Because if the business has one calendar year to prepare for employees leaving, then it would not be reasonable 
for the business to say to those employees, oh, well, you have to stay because I need you for such whatever, blah, 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 blah. No, if you knew a year in advance that Susan was planning on leaving on this specific day mm-hmm. and you had a year to prepare for it, then if you can't replace Susan, that's on you. Indeed. So why not, instead of two weeks notice, give 52 weeks notice? Because if a business cannot replace you in 52 weeks, I guarantee you they're underpaying you. Oh yeah. I I guarantee you they're underpaying you. So we've had a lot of topics to talk about today. So let's go ahead and end the episode. Uh, my name is Neil Fox. Uh, I am the president for life of the furry fandom, uh, democratically elected, of course. And um, my partner here is Link the Labrador. Yes. And uh, if you're listening to this episode on YouTube or any other platform like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, uh, please make sure that you like the episode. Comment if you can, review if you can, share it with a friend. Uh, our goal is to make the world a better place for both humans and animals. Humans and furries. Yes. I don't know about all furries. I'm just kidding. kidding. If anyone doesn't reserve rights, it's furries. I'm just joking. Well, anyway, that's, uh, that's the podcast for today, and thank you so much to everyone for listening.